Hi friends and welcome to the final episode of season one of the Realty on Self Love. My name is Cynthia and I am your host and oh I'm so excited for this particular episode. We're speaking on spirituality, connecting ourselves to the higher being, to the universe, to Allah, to Jah. Whatever you want to name it, that's all we're doing today. And I'm having this beautiful conversation with my friend Avash Sirpal. Born and brought up in Johannesburg, he's the eldest of three children. Growing up in a Hindu home, he is proud of his Indian heritage. Avash is currently training in the classical Indian art form of Kathak, which is a form that cultivates a physical, mental and spiritual balance. He is currently a senior student of Darpan Dance Studios. Additionally, Avaj spends his time reading an ancient Vedic philosophy that has attracted him from age 12 and has provided his foundation in searching for deeper answers to many questions. Lastly, in a personal capacity, he's working on his vlogging channel on YouTube and Instagram focused on his experience as a queer Indian South African. He's currently a postgraduate, he's currently enrolled in a postgraduate program in anthropology at the University of Pretoria. I'm oh I'm so excited for this conversation. I hope you are. Please don't forget to follow us on at the real tea on self-love on Instagram and at real tea on love on Twitter. What is spirituality to you? Well, um, spirituality has many um, definitions and throughout my upbringing, throughout my experiences, many people have kind of dictated the way spirituality is said to be and what it is. For me, spirituality is any means to connect to something divine, something higher, something positive. Spirituality is a process of betterment a lot of the times spirituality is used as a scapegoat to go against this religion or go against a religious institution many people use it as a means to say i'm not religious i'm spiritual but a lot of the times spirituality means connecting and you know if that means through a religious institution that spirituality is valid if it means independently that spirituality Mm. is valid so spirituality to a person, any any person could mean something very different to the next. But for me, it's any process that allows people to better themselves, any process that allows them to see higher principles such as compassion, mercy, kindness, um, tolerance, patience. These principles which ultimately unite us in a more respectable, in a more loving way, that is spirituality for me. Um. I'm just looking at my relationship with spirituality and how it's always been like an on and off one. Um, Cause I remember like starting off being like super Christian and super into Christianity. And then being, I think I've said this to you before, being scared of Christianity and being scared of like the structure of it all. And also just being scared of like the God in the Old Testament and then reading up about other religions as well. And then I, there was this, a stage in my life where I was just like, you know what? I want nothing to do with any religion whatsoever. I'm just going to be full-blown atheist. I want none of that connection. But then it's almost like there's a part of you that's missing when you don't have that connection to a higher being. And it's almost like you're not a complete human until you allow yourself to get to that state. 
for you, how do you maintain like that relationship with the higher being, even at times where it just feels like you can't and you've just been so let down and life has just been handing you adversity after adversity and you just don't know what to do anymore? This is such an interesting question because I'm currently in that space right now. I'm, um, I'm in a space that's really tough for me mentally, emotionally, mm. um, financially, physically. It's it's a really tough situation, but that relation, like the word you used there was relationship. Yeah. And that's such an important word because a lot of the times um, I grew up in a Hindu background and I grew up in sort of the same, I, I don't like making this comparison, but all religious institutions of all religious sects kind of you find that all the children in these spaces have this similar upbringing, this discipline, this strictness, this um, this level of fear. You know, when you enter mm. the space, you have to be someone. You're not necessarily who you are at home. You know, it's a different person. When you enter the space, you need to be more controlled. You need to watch your tongue. You need to um, respect people just because they're older than you. You need to, you know, basically be someone you're not, which is scary. Yeah. And um, growing up in a Hindu household, I was very privileged to have um, the parents and the mother that I did because, you know, as much as that upbringing was there, there was also space for open conversation. And what happened was I began to research this relationship. And this is also another aspect to it. Um, not everybody wants that relationship, you know. Sure. Within your household, there may be four people and you may, the, you may be the only one who wants that relationship with this higher power and that's fine and you shouldn't force this relationship on other people because that's what it is a relationship with this divine person now in my in my practice I've identified a name and characteristics and a personality to this person who I have this relationship with this divine being and um, anyone who knows me knows I have a deep attachment to the um, personality krishna mm. and so i've given like not i have but there's a name to him there's he has characteristics he has a personality and then w- with that understanding i'm able to connect because i can see him as a person i can see this relationship with the with another person and that allows me with any sort of relationship you know there's always commitment to it so on those days where it's typically challenging or it's um more demanding than the others i remember that in order for this relationship to work i need to depend on him and i need to also share what it is that's troubling me you know a lot of in the recent few years this um this notion of more self-awareness more self-consciousness in your spaces in your relationships has started to develop you know self-love and how to invest yourself in relationships and what are healthy relationships all these questions are in our space so similarly implementing that in your relationship with this divine person helps you need to be honest you need to be open yes the answers may not come physically or immediately or from a physical being in, if you look at it, look at it in that perspective but the answers do come at some point you're going to say wow you know i was so down i didn't think i was going to make it out of that situation and i prayed and I spoke to my God or I spoke to my person, I spoke to this divine energy. And honestly, that prayer helped me, it gave me strength. It gave me um, some sort of foundation to move forward. And that's that's what it is. For me, it's knowing that you're in a relationship mm. and that relationship goes two ways. And so when you're in those tough situations, 
just like you would lean on friends and family and you know your parents or your best friend or a counselor similarly you should lean on this divine person who you have this relationship with so yeah for many of these religious institutes um i had found going through them that at times it was hard for me to have my own identity while being a part of certain institutions and also not understanding that at the end of the day like we've been saying it's a relationship that i need to have by myself with this person but also following the structures of that institution how do you go about not losing yourself while trying to maintain that relationship but also follow the rules of your institution yeah so the first thing is to see whether your institution is accepting of um equal standing and what i mean by this is you know we're coming into a space which deals with intersectionality mm. big intersectionality and this means that we're no more just this brown boy or black girl or white mm. person or indian person we're more than that um i myself identify as non binary i'm queer yeah. i am indian i'm south african um there's so many aspects to me so it's not limited to just one perspective and a lot of these religious institutions um you find the rhetoric or the dominant narrative is based solely on one characteristic mm. you know um mm. but um while navigating your identity in these spaces if you feel that you are limited to just that one characteristic in that space then i'm sorry to say it's a bit toxic yeah the first thing you need to do so is true. if you find that you're in that religious institution and they're not going to uphold principles of feminism which is a very big thing you know mm. you can't um you can't constantly suppress the the female gender uh in religious spaces and you know get away with it anymore it's a mm. regard like regardless of the other social phenomenons and social movements happening just looking at feminism as a whole you can't you can't say now in today's day and age that you're a part of a religious institution that still is patriarchal mm. you know because then there's something wrong in that space because we know from um indigenous studies um from studies of pre-colonial civilizations that that was not the case you find that female leaders in spiritual spaces is very very scarce mm. so um you know just using feminism feminism as an example you know if your religious institute is not allowing for intersectionality then it's toxic yeah. and you know as much as your spiritual relationship your religious relationship with this divine is a personal thing being in a community you know we call it sangha or sadhu sangha in um my spiritual practices um association is important who you surround yourself and how you surround yourself with people is very important mm-hmm. and if those people are there to say you do it this is who you are go for it if this is the relationship you have go for it um there's a very powerful point in um my spiritual practice of like vedic philosophy it says whatever you do whatever you're doing just add krishna to it so it's not asking you to change it's not asking you to um completely become celibate or give up material life or give up material things it's just saying whatever you're doing just add krishna to it yeah. if you're a dancer by nature 
just add Krishna, you know, dance, mm. dance for him or do an offering for him. If you're a writer, write for Krishna. And I mean, there's some really powerful poets and um, writers in like in my space who are doing just that. Mm. You know, it, it doesn't mean just because you're in this religious institution, you have to give up who you are because, you know, we're not we're not these um, sheep. I like to say this. We're not sheep. You shouldn't be a sheep either. You should question. You're you have an intelligence. You should question. You should challenge. You should um, think about what it is you're asked to do and how does it benefit you. Because if you're going to be asked to blindly follow, then you'll be able to you'll be influenced to do things you may not necessarily want to do. And I'm sure you've been in a position like that where yeah. you know being a follower, you had to just do what was told. But when mm. you think and you start applying intelligence and you say, is this, is this really what it is? What is the principle behind this? How does this benefit me and my relationship with the divine? And does this make me a good person? Because when you start asking these questions, you'll find a lot of the traditions and a lot of the things we've been doing is just mass following, which is not fair because <laughs> we're intelligent people. Our intelligence should be utilized, you know? Yeah. Um, so when you're when you're looking at your identity in religious institutions if you find that you're mass following that's also a red flag you should sure. be able to say this is who i am and in the space that i want to be if there's no place for me then i guess i shouldn't be here mm. it's not right because mm -hmm. trust me i'm in a space where Besides just academics and scholars in religious spaces, there's artists, there's cooks, there's dancers, there's speakers, there's um, philosophers, there's ideologists, there's uh, empirical thinkers. There's so many people in the space who are allowed to be themselves, who are allowed to have their own nature, their own identity. You know, mm -hmm. um, if someone sees me at temple, they know, oh, that's Arvash. He's a dancer. He's a good speaker, you know. Um, yeah. He does this, he does that. That's our boss. But he's still in the space and he's still a valid person in the space. That's how it should be. Um, since you define yourself as gender neutral, um, well, non binary, sorry. <laughs> non binary. Yeah. No, fine. Have you ever yeah. felt not accepted in your relationship or even in your community because of that? And how do you? then work on having a better relationship or feeling comfortable in your community because of how you've identified yourself. How did I navigate my non-binary status within my relationship with Krishna and my relationship with the community? So, um, in my relationship with Krishna, the thing is... Um, Hinduism is based on one of the most um, instrumental uh, principles of you are not this body, you are the soul. Mm. And within scriptures like Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam and so many other Vedic or Hindu philosophies and you know uh, texts, you find that the soul has no gender, the soul has no um, race, caste, creed. Uh, sexuality it's the soul is pure and uncontaminated 
yeah. in a sense. It's not defined by what we know as social constructs. The soul is, the soul is above this. So understanding that principle, and I'm not perfect, and I'm still, you know, processing this principle in my own life. You know, I can't say I'm this perfect spiritualist, mm. but um, understanding that this material body, which I identify with as non-binary, is one aspect, and even that being non-binary, you know, um, many people think it's a joke or it's a um, a call for attention, mm. but a lot of the times it's just individuals who don't feel comfortable being defined by a gender a socially constructed man-made gender and so being non-binary i found a new sort of perspective to approach this personality who i have a relationship with because it said that you know as a soul you don't have a gender and being non-binary i can relate to that Mm. i can relate to the fact that okay male and female i don't i don't identify with these i'm Mm. not both I'm not either I'm not you know separate gender for me is not a defining characteristic yeah. in my personhood you so feel more yourself Krishna, when you identify yeah, as binary exactly so connecting with Krishna who said to be you know um, this all attractive personality it gives me confidence knowing that I feel one less thing to worry about in relation to him I don't feel like gender is a barrier or an obstruction in relating with him. And um, within the queer Hindu studies space of it, you know, Krishna has um, shown that the soul is not bound to a gender. You know, he has many pastimes where he child what what we would see now as challenging gender norms. He has many sort of pastimes or stories where he challenges gender norms, you know, personalities or his expansion as Vishnu, the preserver, um, takes a form as a female known as Mohini. And it means all attractive, like Mohini means extreme beauty. So you see like within Hinduism, gender is fluctuating. Gender is not a barrier or an obstruction. Many personalities take on different genders. They take on different uh, gender fluid roles. They change genders. They're intersex. They're, you know, these Mm. themes of um, what we know now as the LGBT community is seen in ancient Hindu studies. It's seen in pre-colonial societies. You know, um, when I was doing my research on being non-binary and spiritualism, a community that started appearing was the third sex community within Hinduism, mm-hmm. uh, which is known as the, which has now been sort of um, algamated into the community known as the Hijra community in India. But um, this is a community of third sex individuals, of people who are non-binary or people who identify as the opposite gender or appear as the opposite gender who find their identity is female being born in a male body you know this is a community which holds a lot of sway and influence and considered to be very auspicious and it Mm. allowed me to see that if these people have a space in society pre-colonial society and even now they're they're sort of emerging back to reclaim their position in society they have a space and they were mentioned in different texts and different books and different scriptures then i have a place and i have the right to have a relationship with this divine and this now leads me into my perspective with community so a lot of the time dealing with people especially within the hindu space and let me be fairly honest the hindu community has held on to homophobia very tightly Mm. very very tightly out of fear, out of conditioning, out of hate, 
out of so many different negative ideologies, but they've held on. I mean, I recently um, spoke on this fact that, you know, homophobia was brought to India through colonialism. Yeah. And even when the Indians <laughs> moved out of India, like through the indentured workers, through the Indian migration, through the Indian diaspora, they were conditioned so badly to hate the homosexual community that mm. even when they moved out of India, they still clutched to this homophobia. They still held on to it. And that's very, very powerful. Like that alone shows you how deep colonialism has affected the psychology of communities, especially yeah. the indigenous communities. And then I know a lot of African queer scholars mm. who are also bring up the same thought within the African context, you know. Yeah. And being South African and being Indian, I'm seeing this play a huge role in my life because I'm both African and Indian. Indian you know, yeah. my heritage is Indian, but my position and my identity now is South African. So um, seeing the way colonialism has attached itself to the queer community, attached itself to spirituality mm. is so deep and so a lot of the times in the communities that i'm in i'm found challenging uh gender norms i'm found to be um attention seeking you know i've been labeled as attention seeking i've been labeled as confused i've been labeled as um quite a few things actually pretty scary mm. like in some of my experiences in a spiritual space i would find um you know i'd be standing next to certain men and as soon as they see my nails or they turn to see my face and they see makeup on it, they step away. Like, oh they gosh. step away from me and walk away and like stand somewhere else or they'll look and point and laugh or make comments. And it's so interesting, you know. Yeah. So a lot of the times being of a non-binary identity in a spiritual space means you have to be really strong. You, mm -hmm. you know, you have to be really committed to this relationship to be in that space because if you're not, you're going to be triggered by the callousness that is regard that is given to the third sex or the non-binary LGBT community even you know yeah so um, navigating the community is a very tricky one but I will say this and it's you know I've been blessed with some phenomenal spiritual friends with some phenomenal spiritual family that have um, seen and heard me and you know had open conversations about my identity about my sexuality and their own and you know kind of said you know this is you and you shouldn't change even if the space is demanding and a lot mm. of the time they provide my support when i enter that space i know if i'm going to temple that if these people are there i have a safe space in that space which is particularly interesting you know because you should religious spaces should be a safe space in the first yeah. place but that's another discussion but like i said earlier that association that sadhu sangha you know sadhu means someone practicing spiritual life and sangha means association so it's association of spiritually like-minded people mm. it's so important because they provide you a safe space to be yourself in the space they provide you a platform to be able to connect with the divine in the way you're comfortable with in a way that's applicable and convenient practical for you
be. So yeah. When I was doing my research on the spiritual leaders within African and more so in South Africa, the Sangomas and how they say that, like as you said, the soul has no gender, and for them, yeah, it, yeah, it, it made no sense to them why homophobia existed. It genuinely is just a colonial construct, and I think also just. Yeah. What is hateful isn't part of spirituality. There's no god or gods or goddesses or deities that would ever allow hate. Their principle is to be an energy of love and support by their foundation, by their basis. Um, they are a, a divine version of us, the greatest version of beyond human. That's why they're they they call divine and they're up there. They're beyond human, incapable of yeah. hatred, and so anything yep. that's not in that pure form cannot be from them or a higher force of the universe. And yeah. like yeah, not enough people get that. Not enough people understand that. You know, um, when I was navigating this space, the spiritual space something that stuck out to me was um, the aspect that, you know, in Christianity, it said that we're made in God's image, right? Mm. And within Hinduism, and specifically Vedic literature, this aspect of reincarnation, and the fact that getting a human life is so rare, and such a amazing opportunity, because this is the time you can start connecting with the divine. You're not bound to the animalistic tendencies of eating, sleeping, mating, and defending. You have intelligence. You have the ability to understand something higher. And you know it. You know, like you said, these are higher ideals for us as humans to try and achieve. So, it's so wonderful that we've been given this human life, and we should take advantage of it. We should start inquiring about this divine. We should start learning to build this relationship. I love Chinese mythology. Yeah. Love, love, love Chinese mythology. And something that became apparent in my observation on the portrayal of Chinese mythology is the beauty in the eye of the beholder. Mm. You know, this analogy fits there so well because in Chinese mythology, one was not attracted to another based off of their gender they were so beautiful and this has been given to them by the almighty or the god that i can't not be attracted to them you know that's that's yeah. what i've been observing and it's so powerful to see that because it shows this level of aspiring for godliness aspiring for the higher that mm. um you're not bound to anything else you're just bound to trying to connect with this divine. You're seeing this aspect of this divine in someone else. And, you know, many people are hopping on to this Indian, um, indie free yoga lifestyle. And, you know, yeah. like the popularization of the word Namaste has become so um, big in the world. It's a, it's a global phenomenon, the the yoga, mm. yogaization of um, Indian practices. And namaste, if you understand what it means, it means I recognize the divine in you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I agree. And that's, you know, you don't see animals going to each other saying namaste. <laughs> but, you know, you see humans in the space starting, and this is an old 
Indian practice, trying mm. to identify that within each of us there's a spark or an aspect of the divine, and we recognize that. And by seeing the divine in everything around us, we're able to connect. We're able to see higher principles because if I see the divine in you, Simpiwe, I would think twice before bad mouthing you to someone else, before yeah. you know spreading gossip or rumors or hurting you or you know. And this goes down. This goes deeper than just these things. This goes down to domestic violence. This goes、mm-hmm. down to rape. This goes down to、uh, homophobia. You know, even these aspects. You know, people、yeah. are treated as not even human enough. That I don't even need to worry about you because I'm not scared of God. God applies when I worship Him in my temple space or in my home, but when it comes to my relationship with you, I don't see any aspect of God in you, so I can treat you like trash, basically.、Mm. So yeah. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to actually every single episode of the season. If you have, if you haven't, please feel free to go back, take a listen. We're gonna come back better and stronger in season two. I'm gonna have more friends, more conversations, create even a safer space for you to explore yourself, for you to have fun with yourself, and for you to really engage. With yourself in this life, because this life is beautiful, and you should be spending every day of this life just trying to be a better version of yourself.、Mm, babies, it brings me great pleasure to say this once again: you are blessed, you are favored, and you are highly flavored.